I hope you slept well last night. You're feeling somewhat refreshed this morning. We'll be working uh, today for one day, the whole day, with uh, Vipassana practice, with mindfulness practice, which is a wonderful basis to establish for the work that we'll be doing uh, for the rest of the week with the metta practice. Is there anyone here who's not ever done uh, mindfulness or Vipassana practice before? Okay, thank you. So we'll start with the basics of uh, sitting which is always a wonderful way to start, no matter how long you've been practicing, to start by establishing awareness of the body. So as you're sitting here, allow your attention to rest in the fact that you are embodied. That there is a way in which you know this embodiment, and it's not by thinking about it or about or having thoughts about how the body is. But there is a direct knowing. And the way that we know this embodiment is through the knowing of sensations in the body. So as we're sitting here, we can notice that the buttocks are connected or or contacting the seat on which you're sitting. So allow the attention to go there and to notice that when we pay attention, there is probably some pressure. Perhaps you notice temperature, warmth or cool. And there may be other sensations that you also notice. So there is a connection through contact that produces sensations that can be known. And as you're noticing that contact, notice if there's any weight that is held back from the seat. If you've not completely trusted the seat to hold you. And see if you can allow that to happen so that there is a real connection with the seat and the earth and a knowing of that connection. And then pay attention to how the rest of the body is held, particularly the spine. See if you can allow the spine to be erect without being overstretched or tense. So perhaps you'll bring the spine up and then allow the seat again to hold all of your weight. And when we make the spine erect, the posture becomes dignified, noble. So we hold that noble posture, but without tension, without stress. And one way you can know whether there's stress in the body is by noticing how the shoulders are held. So if the shoulders are hiked up to the ears, you know there's some stress in the body. So allow them to come down. And then notice how the head is held on the neck. 
and allow the crown of the head to point to the sky. And tuck the chin slightly so that the back of the neck is long and not stressed. And the eyes can be open or closed. If you've been used to open-eyed meditation, that's fine. Simply allow the gaze to rest about four feet in front of you on the ground so that the eyes are not darting around. And if you close the eyes, see if you can allow them to close gently so that there is no tension again in the eyes. Let the top lid rest gently on the lower lid. Notice the muscles of the face. If there is any tension in the face or the head, allow some softness without blaming or um, judging. Just allow some softness to enter the way the muscles of the face are held. And the jaw, the lips can rest gently together. And then take a a general scan of the body and see if there is any tension anywhere that I've not mentioned, perhaps in the belly, the hips, the pelvis. And allow the arms to rest. Again, you can even allow them to get a, a little bit heavy so that there's no tension there. And they can either be held uh, palms down on the knees or palms up one on top of the other with the thumbs touching or however you can um, place the hands so that they don't need to fidget during the sitting period. If you're sitting on a cushion it's helpful to have the knees touching the square pillow, the zabuton. And if they're not, you can come a little bit forward on the round pillow, the zafu. That might help. And if that still doesn't help, in between times you could um, see if there is something that you can put under the knees to support them. And that way, the body won't uh, get tense or tired trying to hold the knees up. If you're sitting on a chair, it's helpful to have both feet parallel on the ground. And if you can, if there's no medical reason that you can't, to keep the, uh, the back off of the chair. Again, so that the energy of the body can flow easily and can be somewhat bright and won't um, uh, fade. <clears throat> Two of the energies that happen sometimes in practice is that either uh, because of the way we're sitting or for numerous other reasons, the energy may get low, and we call that uh, sleepiness as a shorthand. And it's nothing to worry about, but there are ways in which you can work with it, which is first to notice that the energy has been low, and perhaps adjust the posture so that the back is uh, somewhat straight, and um, the, the posture is more alert, or it's possible to stand. But what's most important is that you notice the arrival of this low energy in the body and mind. Sometimes also there, there may be some restlessness that, that appears. 
And again, it's nothing to worry about. These are energies that come and go, both sleepiness and restlessness. And you can allow the, um, the, the attention to get much wider when you feel some restlessness in your energy system. And again, what's important is that you notice that that energy has arrived. And rather than meeting it with aversion or pushing it away, see how you can work with it skillfully. And we'll be talking about that a little bit more over the days to come. So this is your physical posture. And if you're having a lot of trouble during the day, um, we'll be having interviews uh, starting soon. And so there'll be an opportunity to ask about it. And maybe one of us can help you. But you'll just know that it takes a little while to settle in physically and to get to know what, what helps and what works for your body. And so if you're having a lot of trouble, you may want to try different ways of sitting, perhaps on a chair or on a bench, or using props to help the body. What is most important, especially in the metta practice, is that you sit comfortably. So just allow the attention now to come to just this body sitting here. Feeling the sensations of the body. And noticing that there are sounds, my voice, hums, sounds in your own body, sounds in the environment. And just allow them to be there. In our practice of awareness, of mindfulness of the present moment, nothing is excluded. So sounds coming and going can be known Thoughts coming across the mind can be known. Sensations in the body can be known. Internal and external phenomena arising and passing away are all included in our uh, awareness, our practice of mindfulness. Allow these whatever sounds are appearing and disappearing to be in the background. And let the attention come to the breath, moving in the body. Notice where the breath is most prominent for you. It could be at the belly, it could be at the chest, or it could be at the nostrils. Choose that place that's easiest for you to notice the breath and let the attention rest there.
knowing the changing sensations, even in that one place that you place the attention, coming and going of the breath occasions many different sensations. And they can be noticed, they can be known. Let your attention be gentle and precise. So that your attention is uh, resting on just this in-breath and the pause and then just this out-breath. So we keep our ambition to a very low level of simply knowing this breath in this very moment. Not worrying about the last breath or the breath to come, but simply being here as best we can with the sensations of this present movement of breath. Other phenomena may be arising and passing away, such as thoughts in the mind, images, sounds, smells, tastes, sensations in the body. And we can allow them to be there unless one of these passing phenomena becomes predominant in the attention. And if it does, to simply notice that it has arrived, it has arisen. And without getting caught by whatever it is, whether it's the thought or the sound or the sensation, Simply know it's there. Notice it's arising, it's abiding, and it's passing away. You can even make a small note in the mind, thinking or hearing or pulling or throbbing. Not to worry too much about making such a precise note, but just to connect with this new arrival. And then notice when it disappears, if it does, and return the attention to the breath. But if it's not predominant, just simply notice that the mind has been away for a, a while and bring it back to the breath. And it's an easy and um, e easeful and gentle and precise knowing. And if you have to bring the attention back to the breath a thousand times during any period of sitting, that's perfectly fine. It's not a problem.
phenomena can come and go without any additional judgment or commentary or analysis or decision by us so that we're allowing whatever is arising to arise, to be known, and to pass away of its own accord. No judgment, no analysis, no commentary.
Are there any in, uh, questions about the instructions about uh, this practice? Perfect understanding. <laughs> so uh, we'll be doing some instructions on walking meditation. Um, but before that, uh, I'd like to introduce uh, Eowyn Alstrom, who's sitting next to Sharon, who will be uh, very kindly doing the uh, yoga sessions um, this week. So, Eowyn, would you like to say a few words about that? So can you all hear me? Yeah. Good morning. As Gina said, I'll be leading the yoga practice. Really happy to be here and share the time with you. Whoa. The yoga will be uh, quite gentle. We will take the grounding intentions of the retreat the cultivation of kindness and awareness, and work with them in a movement practice. So it'll be simple and straightforward. It's optional. I encourage you all to give it a try. The folks in the group who have a lot of yoga experience might like to work with a beginner's mind, you know, letting go of your sense of how your yoga should be <laughs> and coming to this session with uh, the intention of just being there as we practice. Because we're really not uh, going to work on improving our yoga postures <laughs> just because it's not what this retreat is about. Not because improving yoga postures is a bad thing to do. I like to work on that myself. But here, we're going to really make the focus be about uh, being aware of our postures and uh, being kind to our bodies as we practice. So it should be accessible to pretty much everybody. I've got a nice, simple, basic sequence to open shoulders, spine, and hips, support you as you sit. Um, Practically speaking, I think if you decide to come to the yoga, it's good if you bring a blanket with you, because we will be doing some lying down. So it may be cool as you lie down. If you bring a blanket, you'll need to bring it down and then bring it back, because <laughs> I don't think there are enough for everybody to have a blanket downstairs and upstairs. There are yoga mats in the lower walking room where the yoga will be offered. so. You don't need a mat, but you are welcome to bring one if you have one and want to use your own. I think that covers it, unless there's any really burning question about the yoga that, you know, something practical. No, that's pretty straightforward. Okay. Thanks, Gina. So there's, um, there's one, before we do the walking instructions, um, there's one thing that I wanted to make a note about, because it sometimes comes up in, uh, in, in, in the minds of practitioners when, we, when the teachers walk into 
the room, you may notice that each one of us um, has our own little uh, ritual or way of entering the hall. And uh, so I just, I wanted to talk about the way that I enter the hall because it may be a little bit different than the way other teachers in this retreat enter. Uh, you'll notice that I, that I bow. And um, so for those of you who've not been to retreats especially, it may um, raise some questions in your mind. I know we live in a, uh, in a culture that's mostly um, uh, Judeo-Christian. And uh, in the beginning, when I, when I first started practicing, uh, and I saw people bowing, especially bowing to the statue of the Buddha, it was a little bit off-putting uh, because it, I was so completely conditioned to certain teachings in the, in the Christian church that I grew up in. And so I didn't do it for a, a long time. And uh, as my practice uh, developed and, and, and progressed, I found myself bowing. So it wasn't something that somebody told me I had to do or uh, that I decided I was going to do. It just kind of happened in my own practice. And so when I come in, I find it helpful to, um, to enter into uh, my own practice in a way that marks definitely that I've arrived here on my cushion. And when I, when I bow, uh, I'm doing two things. One is um, I'm being very much aware of the physical uh, act of bowing. So I notice that I'm kneeling and that, I'm, uh, that my back is going down and then it, that it's coming up. So I'm, I'm mindful of the, of the physical aspect of it. And the second part of it is I retake the refuges in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. And I find it a, a wonderful way to leave the outside and enter into what I feel is a sacred space. Of course, there is absolutely no requirement that you do it. Um, and it's... Uh, I recommend it highly because I, I enjoy it and I, and I find that it really helps my own practice. But of course, it's absolutely not um, something that you need to do or to worry about. And I, I bow to the Buddha because I, I, it helps me to remember uh, my own possibility of uh, being awake, of, of awakening in my own life and to remind myself of the stillness and the serenity uh, that is possible. So if you have any questions about that, I'm also very happy to uh, receive them and respond. Oh, uh, yeah, so Mark's reminding me that it's, you'll notice also that when we, when we leave the hall after a talk, well, before a talk, we, we usually bow. Some of us actually do the, um, the Namo Tassa um, homage to the Buddha, and some of us bow, and, and uh, we also bow as a sign of respect uh, to, um, to each other and to, to, to the Sangha and to the Buddha, and so the, the bowing, some of the teachers also bow. They don't do the three bows as I do, but some of the teachers also bow as a sign of uh, respect for uh, each other as well as, as, as to you and to the, to the Dharma that we are studying and practicing. Is that what you meant? Thank you. <laughs> okay. So um, we'll do some walking instructions now. and. I will let those of you who feel that you already have the walking instructions to go, but I want to just say a couple of words about walking um, because sometimes uh, we have, because of all of the um, images that we have about meditation, uh, walking, especially when we start to 
do walking meditation, we um, think of it as either a little bit strange or um, we can sometimes take those walking periods as a way of just resting from uh, the sitting meditation because there's some idea in our minds that the sitting meditation is really the, you know, the practice and that the walking is just a way of um, taking a break from the sitting. But in fact, it's not. The walking meditation really helps us to have some continuity in our practice. And it trains us to be um, aware that we can be mindful in all of the four postures as the Buddha taught, the walking, sitting, standing, walking, and lying down. That in all four postures, it's possible to be mindful and to, to be here, to be present in the present moment. So the, the walking um, has that um, salutary result if we do it, if we do it uh, in a dedicated way. And it's also a way of balancing the energy um, in our practice. If we do a lot of sitting, the energy can get very low. As you, as, as you recall, I talked about um, the low energy or the energy of sleepiness. If we, if we do a lot of sitting without moving the body, it can become very, um, very low and heavy. So the walking meditation helps the energy in our practice as well as helping us to stay mindful throughout the day so that uh, in every moment we are endeavoring in a, in a relaxed and precise way to be as present as we possibly can. So it's even helpful when you move um, from posture to posture. So as you're sitting, you'll be arising in a moment as I ask you to, and to just even be mindful of the fact that you are um, moving now from sitting to, to, to standing and to, to feel the body as it moves through these postures. Though, those are the times, the transition times, when it's easiest for us to lose our mindfulness because the mind starts to go to the next thing. And so instead of being here and, and being moment to moment to moment aware, we're putting the mind uh, at the next place or the next thing, or we're thinking about where we're going to do our walking meditation, or we're thinking about um, what time lunch is or whatever. So if we bring our attention back to just being here, moving from sitting to standing, and then um, making a decision about where we're going to walk, and again, being mindful at, from the time we uh, stand up to moving out of the hall and getting to where you're doing your walking meditation so that um, your mindfulness practice is moment to moment and, and as best we can, of course, we're, we're being present in, at all times. So if, you're, um, if, you've, if you feel that you don't need walking instructions, um, you're quite welcome to, um, to leave the hall now, and we'll just give you a moment to do that. But as we stand, again, just be aware of moving from the sitting position to the standing position, and, and we're going to all stand uh, so that we can start the, the walking instructions. you're standing, just feel what it feels like to have now the feet uh, connecting with the ground. So again, just as when we noticed how it felt for the buttocks to be contacting the seat, we can actually feel the bottoms of the feet standing on the ground and feel the pressure that results from that standing. You may also feel hardness of the floor or the softness of the cushion if you're standing on the cushion. 
and the temperature. It's maybe warm or cool or hot or cold. So just notice how it is to stand. And again, you can adjust your posture. So if you feel your shoulders are up at your ears, let them go. And just shift your weight onto your left foot. And, but when you're doing that, don't notice any tendency to rush to that, just to, to the result, to the left foot. But, and if you did, come back. And then go back onto that weight of the left foot by really feeling that shift. And just feel what it feels like for the body to move. And then come back again to the center. Again, feeling that movement. And then shift to the right foot. And that is essentially the movement that we're feeling while we're walking. Even though we're moving forward, there's a way in which just the weight is being shifted from one foot to the other. So just notice that. And then we're going to um, have an intention now to move. So notice again what it's like to stand. And then shift the weight to the left foot. And lift, and as that's shifted, now lift the right foot. And just notice the lifting of the right foot. So just lift it so that the, only the toes are touching the ground. And notice how that feels. There was a heaviness as the foot was on the ground, and then it's, it sort of starts to get lighter. And you may notice that, for instance, that air is hitting the back of the foot where it wasn't before. So there's the, in each movement, there is a lot to notice. And now lift the, lift the right foot as you're standing on the left and move it forward and then place it on the floor in front of you. And notice the placing. So does your, when you place, does your heel go down first or does your toe, does, does the front of your foot go down first? Just notice that. And notice the pressure again and whatever sensations you feel, the temperature, what, the hardness. And then we're going to shift our weight to the right foot. And lift the left. and then lift it up off the ground, move it forward, and place it. And that's the essential movement of walking. It's quite simple. We've been doing it for our whole lives, so it shouldn't be too difficult. What, what we're adding is awareness of what we're doing. So what, what you will do is you'll choose um, a place to walk, and I'm sure, I think, um, uh, Bryony gave you, told you where all of the walking rooms are. There are rooms downstairs, there's a room out here, there's rooms in the annex, or you can walk outside if you're one of those hardy types. So um, you'll choose a, a, an alley, we call it, uh, which is around 10 or 12 feet in length, and you'll, you'll move across, and then you'll come to the end of your alley, and you'll stop, having been tried to be aware of uh, every moment, every movement of the body. So we're aware of lifting, moving, and placing, and then lifting, moving, and placing. And what we're doing is shifting the attention from the breath to the movement of, of, the, of, the, of the feet. So that becomes our primary object. Um, when you come to the end of your alley, then notice turning. Just as you were noticing lifting, moving, and placing, you can now notice turning, 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 etc. And then stop, notice standing, and then start again to the other end of your alley. Now, we're not trying to get anywhere. We're not trying to be the best walkers in the, in the, in the, uh, whole place. We're not trying to get there faster or slower than anyone else. We're, our intention is to be as aware as we possibly can in every moment of the movement of this body through space. Um, 
It's helpful if you open your eyes so that you don't bump into the furniture or, or, your, or your fellow practitioners. Um, and to find uh, a comfortable uh, pace at which you're practicing. So it, it will be up to you as to whether you do it as slowly as I, as I just instructed, lifting, moving, and placing. Or it can be a little bit grosser, just lifting, placing, lifting, placing. And so you can be moving at a, at, at a little bit faster pace. Or you may want to just really go uh, faster, placing, 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 placing. It depends on your energy. And as you do walking meditation more and more, you'll get to know your own body, your own energy rhythms. Maybe in the morning you'll be slow and in the evening you'll be faster or vice versa. It really is not so much about uh, looking like the slowest or best yogi doing the walking meditation as it is the quality of your attention. And again, to um, not take the walking periods as a tea break. Uh, although, of course, you're welcome to have a cup of tea from time to time, but to really uh, be as earnest as you can about the walking because it will really be your friend and your ally uh, during this week. It will help your energy to keep um, moving and it will also help the continuity of your, of your practice. Uh, you can uh, hold your hands anyway again, that is comfortable for you, where you don't have to be fidgeting or worrying about your hands. They can be in front of you, behind you, at your sides, however it feels. And so experiment, especially in these first couple of days, experiment to see how it is for you, what your body is like and what your mind needs and what really helps and supports uh, your awareness. Hmm? Oh, huh? oh, oh, thank you. So yeah, it's, it's helpful not to look at your feet. You know, we've, we've been walking for our whole lives, and yet when we start to do medita uh, walking meditation, a lot of us start to look to see, you know, where, is it, where are they? And then people start to get you know, off balance and stuff like that. So it's helpful to put um, your, your gaze around, again, about four feet ahead of you, uh, just to have a place to, to put your eyes. Um, and you, you know, with all, of, with all of these practices, it really is what will help to support awareness and stillness. Because in the stillness, uh, we really begin to, to, to let go of tension in the body, tension in the mind. And that stillness really completely supports our um, ability to see deeply. And so we can be still even in the midst of movement. And this is, a, this is a wonderful thing to discover, that even in the midst of movement, the mind can be relatively, relatively still. So are there any questions at all? Please don't think that any question is too simple or too basic or, yes? Uh, you'll notice that there's a, there's a schedule posted outside and you don't have to worry about it because the bell will ring about 10 minutes before the period is over. But I think most of the walking periods are about 45 minutes, just like the sitting periods. There may be one or two. I haven't um, been, uh, I haven't looked at the schedule that closely, but I think maybe one or two or half hour walking periods, but they're mostly 45 minute walking periods, just like the sitting periods. Yes, please. Eleven fifteen to twelve. Yes, please. Um, I'm new to this practice, and when you're doing either walking or sitting meditation, is it helpful to visualize something or have any kind of image in your head? The again, we're in in all of the practices that we do here. Um, we're not trying to uh, make anything happen. We are simply allowing the mind to rest in the present moment. And so whatever is being presented in the present moment is a very worthy object of our attention. So we don't, it's, it's wonderful because we can relax. We don't have to make anything happen. We don't have to do anything that, um, you know, to, to make something else happen that's happening. What we find is that we can be, be highly interested 
in whatever is happening now without our having to make something else happen other than what's happening. So we're paying attention to the movement of the feet uh, rather than to anything else that's happening. Of course, what may happen is as you're walking, if you're walking outside, you know, you may see a bird or, or hear a bird and it grabs your attention. So you can stop or, or a thought may arise in the mind that grabs your attention. You can stop, pay attention to the bird or the thought or whatever else is arising. Notice that. Notice it's arising and it's passing away. And then when you feel as if you're able, you start walking again. And you, again, you just, you're aware of the movement of the feet. So the lifting, moving, and placing can fill your attention, believe it or not, for a full 45 minutes. It really can. And, and, and if boredom arises, notice the boredom. And if a desi desire arises to go have a cup of tea, notice that desire. There's nothing that needs to be pushed away or excluded from our practice. Everything that arises is worthy of attention, but it doesn't have to pull us away from the present moment. You know, if you find yourself suddenly heading for the dining room, right, because a cup of tea sounds like such a good idea, then you can stop. Notice, wow, look at that, right? There was this impulse and, you know, some energy happened in the mind and suddenly, you know, I'm taken away from whatever it was I was doing to something else. And you can either at that point go have the cup of tea or go back to your walking. So we're including everything that's arising in the mind-body and nothing needs to be pushed away or avoided or denied or suppressed. Everything is worthy of our attention. Any other questions? Thank you so much for your practice. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.